Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hello and welcome to another edition of your favorite podcast, Insane in the Membrane. Insane in the Membrane. Back once again. Here we are. It's your old pal, Wilson. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're, hope you're fine and dandy-o out there in the world. Um, thank you for your continued support. Thank you for listening to us still. Thank you to our wonderful patrons for helping us keep the lights on. If you would like to become a patron, then head to our Patreon page. That's uh, it's membrane podcast forward slash pay no Patreon. What is it? I fucked it up. Have a look. Have a look. Yeah, I totally fucked it. No wonder we haven't got any Patreon. <laughs> no one knows how to do it. Uh, Patreon.com forward slash membrane podcast. Yes, there you go. Patreon. There we are. What yeah. is it? Does it Patreon.com do it? forward slash membrane podcast. <laughs> for, uh, and you get an exclusive RSS link, which means you can put it into your podcast app of choice and hear the Thursday therapy um, stuff that plop down. Oh, yeah. And have all the back catalogue of uh, me rambling. Episodes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but you do get it. available on the main feed. It's a private RSS feed. Yes. It's exclusive. It's all our, pro- all our previous episodes. Yeah. Well done. That's not bad. So bonus a couple of quid and you get all that. And you get to have a Thursday therapy with Wilson. And uh, me ra- went off on a tangent today. <laughs> anyway, that, you'll hear it. You'll hear it. You'll hear it. I went with that. Um, anyway, but it's all, it all helps, doesn't it? It all helps with the old mental health, keeping ourselves on the rails. Um, this week's guest is uh, is uh, Sean Doxy. And I've met Sean a good couple of years ago. Would have been before the lockdowns. Um, we were doing a gig, we were off in uh, Aberystwyth, I believe, and I, I'd never met Sean before, we hit it off straight away, she's absolutely brilliant, um, and you'll hear about the, the, the gig in, in the show, and I've, yeah, I've really, it's been really interesting watching Sean uh, progressing and coming, dealing dealing with some a lot of shit, and as we all have with lockdowns, like we got to, we, such an extreme thing that happened to everybody. And we really got to see how we've all sort of dealt with it in our own, or what we did, and you know, like whether it was baking bread, or you know, you, you took up some other kind of like music instrument, or learned a language, or you did painting, or did whatever. Um, and Sean took up uh, pole dancing, and he, we'll talk about why in the episode. And it was really interesting to get a, another take on um, the art of pole dancing, you know, because it isn't just about. Sex, you know, although you know, people were related to that. Uh, it's a really nice take, and so it's a really nice episode, and we really get stuck in. I will tell you now, we do talk about some uh, pretty dark uh, subjects. So you know, the, the the conversation about suicide turns up because Sean unfortunately has had people in her life that have, that have unfortunately they are no longer with us, and so that conversation comes up. So there's a little trigger warning for you if anyone's listening. And you're able to deal with that particular sadness. I'm sorry if that's if you have. It's, it's we have all it's it's touched us all, unfortunately, which is a very sad state of affairs. But just letting you know that that's that's involved in this in this episode. So uh, if you'd rather not, then you know, obviously then maybe skip this one. But it's a great chat with a great person. So coming up in a minute is Sean Doxy. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello? Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. A podcast from producer Paul UK. <laughs> Insane in the membrane. Hey, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, how are you, right? Yo, you look too together for 11am. This, this is a personal attack <laughs> on me. You have no idea what's going on underneath this. <laughs> a splash of water on the face and a scarf and it's like, oh, look at you. you yeah. Oh my what... God, I've got like nuclear coffee. <laughs> I'm, I don't know how I'm dragging my molecules yeah, yeah, <laughs> into yeah. tomorrow. Hey. Oh man, well, I, I was just saying to Paul, it was an industry showcase thing last night for our agency and then so having a bit of a drink afterwards and you know schmoozing and getting to know everybody and Mm -hmm. when you're talking to people you don't realize because you're still drinking but you're chatting and you're you're trying to impress it's not until this morning i'm like oh yeah that was oh fuck yeah i had a lot (laughs) (laughs) um I'm not drinking and I find the sort of naked reality of yeah. those events so hard. I'm very like extroverted and chatty, so it shouldn't be an issue. But yeah, it's all just a bit of a blur. Yeah. <laughs> so I feel you. How is your uh, 2023 so far? How's the new year? Do you know what? Really good. I'm, I'm actually, really glad. Yeah, it's really good. It's like <laughs> normally January for everyone is kind of like, you know, you, it, it kind of trundles into life. Um, but I sort of hit the ground running. It's been great. I've had a nice time. So I'm so glad yeah. that somebody has. Also, congratulations. I saw lovely wedding pictures. Oh, yeah. Year. Yeah. Ah! <laughs> we did, yeah. We met and we just went, do you know what? Let's just do it. And we just did it. And a lot, Brilliant. So, so many people were surprised. Like, um, all right, as long as you're happy. We go, yeah, we are. And that's... Brilliant. That's it, isn't it? That's all. That's all. How yeah. are you? How are you? I'm okay. I'm not having the January of my dreams, but it's fine. I feel so baffled that it's nearly the end of January and I've not got my shit together. But <laughs> oh, can I just check by the way? Yeah. Um, how sweary is this show? You Are can you do you what sure? you like? Okay. Yeah. I thought that was the vibe, but I just wanted <laughs> to check. I'm okay. I am feeling a lot happier because Alexander Bennett is directing my pole comedy show now. And we had a session on it yesterday. And I now feel like, A, um, because there's just another brain on it. It's not just me falling off a stick in silence (laughs) to myself. I feel like it's going to be fine. And... Yeah, I just feel like I'm making some kind of plan for this year now instead of just kind of swimming through uncertainty. So, yeah, I'm a lot better. I also, so I have a mid-January birthday and this year I felt like this was, even for comedy, this was a level of like sociopathic narcissism. Mm. I said that my birthday was a gig. (laughs) Can everyone pay to come and watch (laughs) me talk about myself for an hour? But, uh yeah, it was actually really fun. So, yeah, I wow. feel like I'm dragging things slowly yeah. back into functioning. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, it's just, it is, it's this time, everyone thinks that, you know, they go, oh, it's January, right, I must do stuff, change my life, going to do this, going to do that. But when you really think about it, it doesn't, it doesn't actually exist. It's just, we're just still spinning on the same rock that we've always been spinning on. The calendar and time, and it's just a, it's just a thing we use to measure, it's a measurement. 
So, I actually you know. think it's a cruel cosmic joke that <laughs> we've decided New Year starts in the middle of like a dog shit depressing yeah. winter. Starts in March. It starts in March. It's fine. No worries. <laughs> Calm down. I think that's what, yeah, let's just put it where we want. Yeah. <laughs> Nothing's real. The universe is cold and indifferent. Everything's a construct. Have a sit down. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Take the weight off. Don't worry about it. But it's funny, like you say about your show, and now you've got... Um, you know, the, uh, Alexander working on it with you. I think mm-hmm. it's it's just having that it, space is so important. Like having space to move stuff around. It's like you know, if you're in a tiny, say, a tiny apartment, you've got one room. You're trying the best you can. You're like, oh, I just want to just make this nice. But then you get a place that's got two rooms, and yep. suddenly you can put. You go, oh, I could put that in that room. And that's the same with getting someone in who's got another brain. You go, right, I could take this out for a minute and just put it in their brain. So, right. Now I've got some more space to think about what's going on and then they yep. can fiddle with that bit while I'm thinking about this bit and it's so important to have room. A hundred percent, yeah. And I think, um, I mean, I could bore you with all the details, but honestly, a big emotional thing is, oh, there's someone else who gives a shit about the show now yeah. is part of it. Um, the other practical reason that it's so good to have Bennett on the show is... Respectfully, he knows fuck all about pole dancing, but a lot about comedy. So my brain is kind of split between thinking Mm. about the show as a pole dancer as well as a comic and having someone who literally doesn't care kind of what the trick sequence is as long as the beats of the jokes are clear to an audience makes sense. It just means that it will hold together. Yeah. It's weird though, isn't it? Like it's, I think it's quite a new thing in a way, people having directors for a comedy show because you don't need one. You do what you always do with a comedy show, which is you write it, mm. you think stuff's funny, you put it in front of an audience who disagree with you and you just do that over <laughs> and over again until you die. <laughs> um, <Yeah>. So <laughs> it's quite a, a, I don't know if it's a recent development, but the idea of having a director for a show is not the... You know, it's it's not the be all and end all. But honestly, I think that um, I find it quite isolating anyway, doing solo shows and making mm. stuff by myself. So it's just having another yeah. person yeah. there. <laughs> yeah, that's what <laughs> that you basic. need. But that's just with everything. You just sometimes you just need someone that can that can just give you a bit of structure, whether it's comedy, whether it's just in life in general. You just need someone else that understands the thing you need. And you go, listen, I need some help with that bit that you know about. And they'll go, yeah, fine. Just do yeah. this, this and this. And it, and it, that, that's the same across the board with everything, you know. And, and yeah. It, yeah, with comedy, you know, you kind of, yeah, you get to a certain point. But then you go, well, in order to make things better, I do need someone who's, who's, who's got those skills to come in and go, right, let's move these things around. Again, it goes back to that thing about having more space a little mm. bit more room to breathe and move stuff around and just you just sometimes need someone to show you some structure you know and I don't think <laughs> it's and it's not it just doesn't mean that you're shit at what you do it's just that your your skill set isn't there yet but now because you've learned from this person you now have those skills and so you'll be able to go forward with those skills and that's again that's the same with life we all feed I, off each other that's why we need each other Yeah, I also just think that it's such a tempting myth that comedy especially happens in isolation. I think there's a bit of a romantic idea of like a stand-up or a comic as this sort of lone shambling person. I mean, we are all kind of shambling around. That bit is not a myth. But um, it's an inherently really social thing to do like it literally doesn't happen in a vacuum i mean oh my god i remember like like we both had the horrible like lockdown zoom gigs where you're literally just in a room talking to yourself and sometimes i mean you know there's a certain kind of thing to that but um i don't know i think people have a real romanticization of a kind of auteur thing of like the solo person that it kind of begins and ends with you and everyone has a bit of both like I um like I was in a sketch double act for ages and both me and Zoe really needed to do our own thing Mm. as well as go as well as do the things uh we were making together but um yeah I I just think it's a bit of a myth that people create as a solo undertaking you're always yeah. thinking about how it's going to impact another person and how they're going to find yeah. it funny as well so it doesn't matter how kind of um solo you're making it it's always with the intention of this is going to connect with people mm. sometimes against their will <laughs> one way or another <laughs> well when i first met you 
and we did the gig in Wales and watching everybody in that art centre just looking at you go like you it was brilliant you were dressed as an octopus <laughs> and you were whereas some people would have gone may have gone well look I mean they might not get it where we are I'm no, no disrespect to anybody anywhere you can't, but you kind of go I don't know if they'll go with the octopus thing maybe I'll do that somewhere else but you just went well this is what I do so I'm going to do it and I just would have stood in the back room going this is brave as fuck <laughs> just oh that's very what kind in a nice way, Rich, because those gigs were super fun um, and you're a great MC. I just voted for you in the hey, Thought Awards you. and everyone should. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> I mean this nicely. You really set me up for failure because the gigs we did were really fun. They were such yeah. great nights. And then I did another one where it was, you know, just when you have to not get uh, up in your head about this, but... Um, in Wales, just in that little run of gigs, I then did another mm. show and just something fell off about oh, it no. from the beginning. And because I tend to come on in a show as like, and now miscellaneous, <laughs> um, it helps if the room is a bit warmed up, even though I start out with stand up to like yeah. bring people in and then it gets weirder and weirder. But, um, oh my God, I, after we had some fun shows, I then did another show where it was just bombing oh, and I checked no. my watch. I was doing a 20 and after 11 minutes, I'd kind of done all my material <laughs> and it was time for octopus weirdness. Classic. Like was, oh, it was horrible. <laughs> and like sometimes, um, you know what I mean? It's like that, those ego deaths are where you learn and mm. it's so important and it's where you bring in a plan B. And also I like, I really want and need to go out to do those gigs because it's where I think you really refine your material you're like yeah. okay great this does not cut through with this audience i'm gonna do something else because that's my job yeah. um but um uh but it was painful and then when you completely lost a room and then you go okay and now here's a singing octopus it feels <laughs> it just feels very long <laughs> but i think uh, i admire the fact that you just lent into it and went all right well look i'm doing it and just you know and i'm sure I'm sure it wasn't as bad as you thought. I'm sure there were some people in there that were like, actually, this is pretty cool. But because everyone else, there's a few other people going like, I don't understand it. They don't want to be the ones to, to stand out from the crowd. So silently they'd be like going, yeah, I dig it, but I don't want to look like a prick. <laughs> Maybe. I think, Maybe. I, but the thing is, I've said this loads of times, we all, all comedians die and you're going to die again. It's part of what we do. Sometimes you just don't connect. Your your vibes are off. Whatever's gone on, blood sugar's low. Something's bothering you. You just or Whatever it is, you just have a bad day at the office. But it's, it's not because you're shit. It's just one of those things. It just hasn't connected. And unfortunately, yeah. with stand-up comedy, it's the, it's the last sort of art form where people can straight away tell you that they don't like it. And they will say, you're shit. And you go, well, I'm not shit. I wouldn't be here, but yeah. I'm just shit now. <laughs> you know? I remember one of the most useful things I ever heard was Sarah Pascoe said, it's the bad gigs that matter. Yeah. Because if they all go well, which, I mean, for some comics, they all do go well. Brilliant. But um, uh, fuck you guys. But anyway. Um, <laughs> but, um, yeah, it's a real yeah. burden. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, must be must be awful. <laughs> but um, yeah, if you rest on your laurels as well, mm. you're not going to be trying things. Yeah, um, and it's the bad ones where actually there's another, yeah. um, there's just a whole other skill set. Or you do what you usually do and be like, you know what, you're going to hate this. Uh, no one wants this. Not even me now, but it's what's going to happen. So I've brought the stuff, it. so I've got to do it. <laughs> I took an octopus on the overnight bus to Sheffield. You're going to get this regardless of <laughs> what you want <laughs> this is happening where yeah yeah <laughs> but i'd like but this is the thing with you you I've, what i notice is that you do try stuff and you do go out there speaking of which pole dancing yeah which is something that you've done and we yeah having spoken to people before about it um and it's it is all there was that assumption that oh it's pole dancing so it's sex but it's not so many people do it for exercise for for so many other things which is and you're doing it for, for that for that reason art and you know performance well and... I mean to be honest it's quite hard to know where to start with pole because 
it's so many things to so many different people. Yeah. I was talking to a pole dancer this morning about the sexy side of it. And also I'm very open that I started pole dancing in strip clubs. I was doing it as sex work and yeah, right. through male gaze for money. Da, da, da. It's a very stigmatized job yeah. still, but um, I mean, this is probably a whole other podcast, but there's a real issue with, pole as with everything in this country with class at the moment now okay. like yeah there's a tension between strippers who need to use pole dancing to make money yeah. and then people who can pay to do pole dancing as leisure fitness self-expression whatever and we need to not keep those groups separate mm. um because it, it, that's going against the roots of pole um Maybe that's a whole other show. But I was talking to a pole dancer this morning about the sexy side of pole mm. and how some people are doing pole dancing to look hot, to lose weight, to get male attention, to be pretty, da-da-da-da. Other people are using it like, um, you know, many pole dancers um, are survivors of sexual assault, abuse, mm. da-da-da. It's to reclaim that for yourself and to be able to have this kind of freedom of self-expression and do something sexy mm. um, because that it, it might feel like that's been taken away from you. So yeah, you're reclaiming it. I get it. And then you've got weirdos like me who are like, okay, how about pole dancing <laughs> octopus? But also none of these things are mutually exclusive. Um, I think that um, what's kind of cool is people will be doing pole for so many different reasons mm. as they're going through it. Like some people might start with a kind of fitness drive of, okay, I hate exercise, but this looks fun. <laughs> Let's do this. But then find they really connect with the sensuality, mm. like that side of it. Other people, I mean, a classic way that people try pole dancing is through a Hindu, for example. Right. There's a kind of taster class and they're fun. Like those, you know, and also it, keeps studios in business it's paying my friends mortgages so i'm yeah, kind of right, like yeah, yeah 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 um and so they might connect through it as a kind of like cool so taster lap dance or some stripper style things but then get really interested in maybe the more gymnastics side of it or the fitness like honestly there's no right or wrong way to do pole i probably shouldn't say that there's so many wrong ways to do pole and i've done all of them it mainly involves just like totaling yourself by oh yeah it'd off. be wrong if yeah. i did it <laughs> <laughs> i don't know rich no i i don't know i disagree um i guess there's also the thing of you know like i had the first time i even went near a pole mm. was at my audition in a strip club and they oh, don't wow. give you any instructions you, you just kind of what? go yeah, you just yeah. went and did it. The song I auditioned to was Gimme More by Britney. I'm not exaggerating. Everyone in that room wanted me to give them less. It was not good. It was really <laughs> so went, That was the grim. first time you've been on a pole. Yep. It was an and, audition. <laughs> yeah, and honestly, if there hadn't been a financial crisis and if the club mm. wasn't desperate for girls, I would not have got the job. Wow. But uh, yeah, um and then um I mean, in a club, you, I mean, it obviously varies from club to club, but if you don't have any dance experience, they just say, yep, just watch the other girls. And um, I'm actually kind of sometimes a bit jealous of people who started pole dancing through a studio in a sort of, you know, six week beginners course yeah, yeah, or something, yeah. because that structured approach means that you just have a bit more of a sense of the foundations of, all oh, right, cool. So this is this, da, 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 and you can build yeah. a bit more clearly. But then equally, what I got as a stripper was, okay, I know two pole moves and I'm going to have to style this out for three and a half minutes. <laughs> and because I'd done comedy, I was like, well, okay, fine. Let's just see what the audience roll with yeah, and yeah, just yeah. sort of figure it out. Um, and also your pole dancing doesn't have to be good to be a stripper. You're just there to... It's just your advertising window to then people get people to pay for a private dance with you. Right, like, right. oh yeah, pole dancing is less than 10% of the mm. job, depending on the club. Also, um, Rich, asking me about pole is like putting in the 20p coin into a slot machine and I just go. So please interrupt me or tell me if we're going wildly <laughs> off topic because I can no, just no, no. monologue about it. No, because it's all... It, it, it all plays into the the mental health thing you know this mm -hmm. is the thing this is the thing with this podcast it doesn't have to necessarily be like like mental health mental health, mental health. talking about the things we're talking about it all helps it's all this is all it's all part of it so 
Um, yeah. And I'm fascinated with the thing because there's, there's someone I'm going to be talking to in a couple of weeks' time. And she's talking about the, the bad side of sex work where, you know, mm. talk about people that are trafficked and against their will. Yeah, and, yeah. you know, like people trafficking now, they make more money than they do from drugs now. That's, yeah. that's how out of hand that's got. So it's good to talk about it in a positive way and people that choose to do this, you know, like, they, like yeah. you say, they've had, they may have had some shit things happen to them when they were younger, but now they're taking back the power and going, right, this is, this is about me now and I'm going to own this. And totally. that's fascinating. I think also, just to be absolutely clear, when I talk about anything to do with stripping, um, the most important uh, thing to talk about with sex work, in my opinion, is decriminalization because mm. we could talk for ages about, you know, this kind of glossy sort of feminist, like, oh, empowering thing and yeah. all those things exist as well. But it is such a broad church with so many different types of experiences. The important thing with sex worker politics is to identify the people who are most vulnerable who end mm. up in this industry i mean i think it's a bit gross to call trafficking anything like an industry because it's not no. and like no no sex worker would condone or support no, trafficking like in any capacity um and also yeah it's increased people trafficking happens in so many other industries as mm. well in agriculture factory work oh, gotcha. uh, retail, yeah, yeah, all kinds yeah. of stuff yeah but um yeah i'm also uh it was uh, carmen ali is working on a solo show about her experiences as a sex worker and we previewed our stand-up hours together at the glory last year oh, um i met carmen when we were working in yeah. the same strip club but our experiences are very different for example i'm a white middle class ex-stripper carmen is a working class active sex worker who's also been doing a bunch of incredible organizing with other sex workers to um, create funded opportunities, create art. Like she's been an absolute powerhouse. We don't agree on everything. And that's great. I think it was really cool to be able to show like, there's no one size fits all mm. story of people's um, experience. And I talk about sex work with Paul because a, I owe this part of my job now to the time I spent in strip clubs. Not entirely. What I do on stage now, you'd never get that in a fucking strip club. <laughs> but um, <laughs> for good reasons. And um, um, But, um, you know, I think I, I talk about it because to me it's very important that people whose journey through pole was through sex work don't get dismissed and patronized mm. in the pole industry more generally because i mean it's true you know it's true of every industry isn't it we could go on about it in comedy forever but everyone plays the hand they're dealt but people come in with all different kinds of like access to privilege and all kinds of stuff and uh yeah it's important to not let the loudest, whitest voices kind yeah. of crush other people's, says the very loud <laughs> white woman. But yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. For me, pole dancing is an extra string to my bow as a performer. It's something that I do for pleasure. In fact, <laughs> I kind of had a few moments of what the fuck am I doing? Pole was this like sacred refuge from everything else in my mm. life. Why have I put it in front of people now and made it an extra source of stress? Like it's mad. Also just, I mean, again, you know, like I said, I brought an octopus costume on the overnight bus to Sheffield. So I'm no stranger to creating <laughs> complications for no reason, but rich, like the faff of including a pole in shows is just absolute nonsense yeah, but anyway you have to make sure it, it's, you can put it up i sure have got one there or i've literally turned up at a venue and tried to put up my pole and it's like the leaning tower of pisa it won't fit in it's no. just like nope the ceiling's not high enough <laughs> can't do it um but there was more of an existential thing if i thought like why have i made this stressful because for me um I like doing it because pole means you can show off. I like dancing around in a skimpy little sparkly bikini. Like it's fun. Like all of that is um, a good time. But I realized, I think quite quickly that for me, pole just does something that it really stabilizes my nervous mm. system. And um, I'm actually like, 
if you watched me in a poll class, and I'm not saying this like with uh, any false modesty, sometimes I come away and I've learned maybe 30% of what went on in a class because it's hard. And, um, and also that's a good thing. I think that you should challenge yourself. I did a choreography class in lockdown. It was an online class and I'm terrible with core. There's just something in my brain that like, the first section of a routine will just fall out and then the whole class has moved on. And I feel like, oh no, I don't want to interrupt the class by asking the instructor to go through it yeah. again. So I just kind of panic. But um, I remember I did a class online and at the end we had to all just kind of show the choreography, like, cool, everyone show it. And I just couldn't do it. Like I did something, yeah. but um, <laughs> the instructor was finding something nice nice to say about everyone who'd done it. So she complimented all the other people. Da -da. And then she came around to me and she said, and Shan, whatever it was you were doing, you did it like you mean it. And I went, okay, fine. <laughs> yeah. um, but anyway, so like um, for me, there's an element of uh, pole was somewhere where I didn't need to be good, but it was just good for me because it just calms me down. I think it's because like I've tried, you know, fucking Buddhist meditation and stuff and blah, blah, blah. And I just can't sit still. Like I can't do it. It stresses me out more in the end. Whereas with pole, you have to concentrate so hard on holding onto the stick and just trying not to oh, die yeah. that it takes up your whole concentration. But um, yeah, there is something about it that really um, just sort of settles me emotionally. I think for me, pole dancing it's less like doing 20 minutes on the treadmill it's more like practicing guitar it's a kind mm. of like emotional thing um and um yeah i ended up coming back to that last year because um i mean i've uh, written about this and talked a bit about it on the internet two of my friends died by suicide which was very shocking That's very so very tragic that. it was awful also mm. um Again, maybe this is a separate conversation, but it just so happens that two of these people were queer. And in talking to a lot of my LGBTQ friends, the death rate in our community has shot up through these deaths. And it's awful. Like I met up with a friend two weeks ago and we weren't meeting up to talk about queer suicides at we were meeting up to talk about something else but he'd had three friends die by suicide last year and he said well at least it was only three of the seven who attempted and i was like what the fuck is happening mm. this is yeah so um you know it has been a bad time and poll is something that i ended up i was literally just holding on to it for my life mm. like just absolutely i needed something that could sort out the absolute shell shock mm. that it sent me into. Um, and, I'm, you know, I'm just like extending so much like sympathy and solidarity to anyone who's been bereaved this way because I was completely unprepared for what the effect is of it on you. And it's a bit of a weird one because you're like, this isn't about me. I didn't die because I was so like clinically yeah. ill. Like I've, I've survived, right? But um, so, yeah, you're just a bit like, why, why am I still not functioning? Like, this is crazy. But um, yeah, I did not expect the like aftershock of Ooh. these deaths to be so physical, but it's because it was a physical effect. Like, I mean, could go into this in more detail, but you, your nervous system sometimes as a result of these bereavements, because you're obsessing about how it happened. You cannot yeah. stop thinking about it to a level of absurdity. You know, you're kind of like, oh, what if the last time I saw them, I wore yellow socks instead of blue socks? Like it just, it's just mad. Like yeah, your yeah, brain yeah. will totally, like I just went mad. I completely went mad. Um, and um, yeah, <laughs> equally madly, the thing that kind of ended up helping me pull things back together not as a substitute for therapy no. or grief counseling or medication or any of these other, you know, foundation things yeah, that yeah, yeah. people need is, um, yeah, I kind of just needed to go back to the poll. It sounds so pretentious saying that, but it is true. Like I just like, I kind of had to reconnect to the thing that for fucking seven years or however long it is now that I've been doing it. Um, at the end of the day, if my poll comedy show falls to pieces, if I never do a poll performance, whatever, I don't care. Like this is a thing that's for me. Like yeah. it just is this sort of, um, 
it's like a one-stop self-esteem self-care repair shop like yeah. it just it just works not for everyone some people hate it well, no, no, <laughs> you see, we all need <clears throat> we all need something that takes us out of the moment for a bit and just takes us away from you know reality and just doing something that you can and something you can focus on that's the, yeah. that's what it is it's we need something that if you if you give a shit about the thing you're doing, that helps with the focus. And suddenly you're an hour in, you go, "Oh shit, that went quick." You know, that's, yeah, and that's what 100%. you need. Especially, and if you've got thing is, if you when people when people commit suicide, it's a weird because if someone's ill, you kind of you're there and you can see what's happening. Your brain can comprehend it. It's horrible because it, no, I don't want anyone to be ill. But you can kind of get you go right. They're ill. Are they ill for a bit? And then they it got the better of them, and now they're not here. But one minute you're having a coffee with someone. And then the next thing they go, oh yeah, they they're not here anymore. And your brain's like, but well, what do you mean they're not here? I've just had coffee with them, and they seemed yeah. all right. There weren't any signs. There weren't. We had a bit of a chat, and everyone's feeling stressed. But you know, just that usual everyday stuff. But no, they're not here. And that's what happens. And your brain just can't can't understand what that means to be because there's been no preparation for it. Yeah, absolutely. And like you know, um, like I'm. Um, I just I'm so sorry to anyone who has been bereaved mm. that way because it is as you say it's a complete like reality head fuck mm. because you can't join the dots also you know we know that it's men who are disproportionately vulnerable to dying by suicide which is like I think it's amazing that you're doing this podcast and like opening up that conversation yeah. about it because there is still a men's mental health crisis in this yeah, country. Absolutely. It's not just men who are dying by suicide, but it is disproportionately men. And yeah, it's just bewildering. Um, my my friend who I was talking to, the men he was referring to um, were all gay men because mm. there's so much under-resourcing in these communities to yeah have people get access to right. help. But yeah, it's, it's absolutely bewildering. And also every single death is different like there's no one size fits all solution no. to help people either um yeah i mean <laughs> groundbreaking observation suicide sucks it sucks <laughs> yeah. it sucks <laughs> but the thing is, and is that we get we and when it's someone that you know and care about you just kind of there's part of you that goes what could i have done Should i I just got caught up in my own thing and I didn't <clears throat> I didn't message them back when I should have done or whatever. You take you, you start to take responsibility for it and then if someone wants to do it, it's they'll do it. It's not it's not as easy as people think. When people get to that point and they go, Right, I'm gonna do it, it isn't it takes so much to do it mm. that it isn't just a case of taking it's it's actually going through with it is harder than you than people think. Which yeah. is which is obviously a good thing. So if so, you can't sit there and say oh, I should have replied to that. They're already on that path, and most times there's not much you can do. Really, you can, if you're lucky, you can catch them and just go. Look, I, I don't want you to do this. I'm, I'm getting. I think you need some help. I think, well, whatever. But mostly they've become so good at covering up what what's really going on. The or, or you know that you can't you can't blame yourself a lot of the time. You, but you will, of course, you will, because you have empathy. But and, and yeah, you know, but. it is and completely. And as you say, it's hard, and everyone's uh, everyone's experience of it is incredibly unique. Um, mm. I don't want to go into too much detail on both friends because I feel like it's kind of not really my business. But mm -hmm. just in response, um, in terms of what you were saying about method for example yeah. um with my friend who died in january um i know a bit more about how he died and also and this is a difficult thing um i've made peace with the fact that an intervention would have been against his wishes which is hard because mm. you don't want to believe that what someone really wants is it's just and also so Weirdly, I used to work for a suicide prevention charity. Right. I wasn't on the phones. I was their like, little social media gremlin. Like I was in the comms team. And it's very taboo for good reasons to talk about those sorts of deaths. Um, because overwhelmingly what you want is to prevent suicides. Yeah, course, um, yeah. There's a whole other thing, but overwhelmingly it's that. Um, 
And also, I don't really want a lot of grisly details of how someone chooses to go. No, also, no, no. there's very good reasons that those things don't get published because you get a lot of copycats. And anyway, it's 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 awful. But um, but then with my friend who died in June, um, that to my understanding, and I don't know a lot of the details, you do have people where it's preventable. It's a moment of crisis. Mm. You know, it's a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Oh, There's all yeah, kinds yeah, yeah, of things, yeah. you know, and um, it's honestly that one sent me under because the number, like I cannot tell you how many hours of the day my brain has been spent eaten up with what could have changed mm. so that this didn't happen, especially, you know, this person was my age yeah. and uh, like I'm 32 she died on her 32nd birthday fucking awful wow. and um yeah so um yeah uh, it's it's just so overwhelming to kind of the thing is also you're never going to be able to put your mindset into where someone was when they died no. that way everyone is so uniquely complex and also with people whose mental health has absolutely just like imploded, they're probably unreachable in some yeah. ways. Like you don't want to believe that in terms of, you know, how you would get about suicide prevention. But yeah, um, it's a, it's just a real fuck show. It's an absolute yeah. fuck show. Um, and um, <laughs> also, I mean, this is a weird one. I, I thought that, so I, I had a job that um, I'd started in November before last year. So within about two months, I kind of had gone, I'm sorry, I've had a bereavement. I, you know, I need to take a bit of time off for some of the preparation memorial. And then a few months later, I was like, I'm sorry, there's been another bereavement. I had to do stuff. I was a bit like, <laughs> from the point of view of my colleagues, where they're like, who's this woman whose friends keep topping themselves? Like, what's <laughs> yeah. going on? Are her tweets that boring? What's happening? Um, and um, <laughs> I think it's a uh, it's bizarre when it's a friend as well because if it's a family member or a partner and honestly like I cannot imagine what it must be like to lose a family member or partner to suicide like just it, awful when it's friends as well you're really baffled because you you think of yourself as a bit of a support group the nature of mental health means that sometimes, you know, um, people will push their closest friends away and that's yeah. incredibly painful. And, you know, there's, there's all kinds of stuff bound up with that. But yeah, what you were describing of just that weirdness of like, oh, I was having a Zoom conversation with this person and yeah, they do, you know, yeah. not everyone's in a perfect position all the time, but people are muddling through and trying. And the next thing you know, you're getting a message on Facebook saying, Hey, I just wanted to check. Did you hear about, and it's just like, what the fuck? Mm. Um, yeah, I think, um, I guess just, this is maybe helpful to say I, and I, arrogantly because I'd worked in suicide prevention and weirdly I'd been writing a separate show about like um, mental health stuff. I think I naively believed that I would be prepared for mm, yeah. that. I wasn't at all. I fell to fucking pieces mm. and I was incredibly lucky that, um, I mean, you know, <laughs> I have amazing friends. I'm incredibly lucky. Yeah. I have, uh, I should, you know, um, Sophie Hagen has the, like the map of the 10 best places to cry in Edinburgh. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I've created that with my friendship group of like, Oh yeah, the 10 best places to just weep uncontrollably on your pals. <laughs> and, and, you know, and I had an understanding job who, when I just couldn't come in, I didn't lose my job, which was, uh, very, very fortunate. Um, I guess the other thing that, if you don't mind me adding, and this is making, it's the thing is I, I didn't, I also, I didn't have the word count to write about it in the piece for the independent. And I think that was probably a blessing in disguise, but um, what I'm finding very, very difficult to sit with is um, I now know too many people who've died by suicide as a direct result of austerity and specifically the cost of living crisis. Yes. I have like, again, so not just the people last year, but like I know too many people now who looked at their lives, did the maths and when it is, ex I cannot continue to afford mm. existing. And that obviously isn't the complete picture no. of someone who will die by suicide. But I now know too many people who just the, the material, just the, the money pressure and their health and a disability, for example, or the costs of mental health care. Also, existing with 
long-term mental illnesses in this world is hard. You need resources, you need yeah. things around you. And if you're not able to make fucking rent every month, let alone access, it's just so hard. And um, so just in the aftermath of like last year, whenever another thing came through about, you know, just Liz Trust casually fucking the economy oh, again, or, or, yeah. or just, you know, like rents in London were at the highest in November they were than they've ever been in recorded history. It seems like neutral information, but it's not because I was like, this is killing my friends. This yeah. is killing my friends. And so that sort of nervous system overshock that I was describing your brain is just feeding, it's just absorbing all of that information and it's, it's all part of the same thing. And, um, yeah, uh, it was, it was something that I was talking about with my friend. Um, the one who sadly had a bunch of friends fucking top themselves last year of these things are not separate. It's, it's, um, yeah, it's the direct result of 13 years of Tory austerity. And it's, I don't know. It's bizarre, isn't it? Because you don't want to undercut what is just the tragedy of a person and all the emotional reasons and the specific things about their lives. Um, I would never, ever like hijack someone's experience that way to make a political point. But I cannot pretend that this isn't a pattern now. And um, it's it's just been sending me mad, Rich. It's just been sending me mad. Like I, uh, yeah, too many of my friends are dying because of this fucking country yeah. Yeah. <laughs> this government do not give a shit and they just continue to sort of give a shit to the point where honestly i'm just i'm sat there going can you can you start giving a fuck can you actually yeah. do the job that you were voted in to do instead of just looking after you and your little mates and and because they, all they care about is staying in power they don't give yeah. a shit about anything else they don't give a fuck Always blaming, they always blame us that the country's fucked. They always blame us that this, and you're like, no, 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 you fucked it. Yeah. You fucked it. All we're trying to do is be kind to each other whilst we're still trying to make our rent. And the rent is it's getting to the point, you can't even afford to rent. Yeah. Like, and they go, well, you just have to go live back with your mum and dad. What if I can't? What if I haven't got family? What if I'm on my own? What do yeah. I do? I tell you what I do. I kill myself and then I'm not, not a burden for you anymore. And they're like, yeah, great, fine. Yeah, it's that that word burden, like it it, it burns because that's mm. literally what I've you know, it's uh yeah um and yeah and the, you know these deaths are just collateral damage like yeah, oh yeah dismissible yeah. yeah and um exactly as you were saying as well it's 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 just a kind of well let the bodies pile up kind of mentality yeah. um yeah um it I'm finding it increasingly intolerable to like separate the emotional grief side of Mm. that from yeah and it's it's it just keeps getting worse and it's so like you know in terms of um what you can do as just a tiny little person and what happened actually in the aftermath of both deaths for me is and this sounds a bit brutal but it's not i kind of closed rank a little bit i basically just closed rank around the people who were closest to me and like you know Mm. I'm incredibly lucky. I have such an amazing friendship group. Like I've got like just really nice family. I'm a very, very lucky person in who I'm able to lean on and depend on. And um, I, I just kind of, because I just kind of lost it. Like I, I, I sort of shrunk, you know, I went like, okay, cool. Mm. I need to, a, a bit similar to what a lot of people did in the pandemic. You were like, okay, I need to attend to the sort of inner circle of yeah. closest relationships. And you know, you also, you can't be there for everybody. Like you have to just kind of, uh, uh, yeah. Um, pick and choose a little bit. It's kind of weird. Cause the irony is what I found, um, even though it was under grim circumstances and amazing, um, sorry even it was if it was under grim circumstances what i was really impressed by in the early stages of covid for example just in my tiny little bubble of you know hello i'm an east london kind of like privileged bougie person who works in the arts but on the fringes of that 
what I saw was it was queer people and sex workers come through with like, okay, mutual aid funds. We need to create resources for communities who are going to fall through the cracks. Also just on an informal level, I could just see it was kind of like, okay, people who were in stable jobs who just noticed, you know, like if you're friends with people who are more freelance or people who are more vulnerable, people just being like, I'm just going to lend you a hundred pounds and you can pay me back whenever. Do you know what I mean? Like people were doing all of that stuff. And um, I love that kind of spirit of generosity. I mean, we're completely playing into David Cameron's kind of big society thing, but fuck, you've just got to do something. But um, yeah, but um, yeah, it's weird because I kind of had to, I just really had to retreat and kind of like talk to the five or six people who I really can depend on. Like um, my closest friend from home, Emily, she came and stayed with me for a few days and like I couldn't clean the bathroom. Like I couldn't do anything. I was just in like absolute shell shock and you just become intensely aware of who's like, oh God, who's your kind of close uh, circle. And um, I don't know, I kind of feel like hope isn't a feeling, hope is an action, you know, like you take action on hopelessness by like, okay, what can I do? What's just like a little thing? Um, And I have to kind of hold on to that in some ways because otherwise you just feel absolutely overwhelmed by the sheer scale of like destitution and despair that is just getting worse. My friend... um, Again, I'm talking about the same person. My friend who had three friends die by suicide last year, he was saying like, I, I, I feel like I have to be more of an activist for this. Like I have to do something, mm. but I'm depleted as well. You know, like, yeah, yeah, like yeah. no one has infinite resources. And it's like, you know, sometimes the best thing you can do is like, okay, if I've got 10 pounds, give it to a suicide prevention charity who'll be effective mm. or, or do you know what I mean? Just kind of just you can't take it all on your shoulders. Um, Yeah. I feel like this is a bit incoherent, but truly that was my response. It was just complete incoherent insanity. I was like, this is systemic. Like these are deaths as a result of huge political forces that, I mean, I'm waiting around for the general election and, but, um, and then it's also kind of much more close to home. And you're trying to kind of grapple with both sides of that, of like, it is too huge for me to do something about now, but also it's getting huger. Like it's more of a problem. Um, And then equally like, should I just call? Like, do I just need to check in on people more frequently? You know, you're, it's it's bewildering. Well, that's it. You try and find the little bits that you can do because you can't, like you say, the whole the whole thing isn't our fault. It's we're being fucked. And what happens is because the because the top are putting pressure on everyone else underneath them, we we all start to kind of like pick on each other and we take it out on each yeah. other. So, and then the press build up certain things, and then suddenly there's a group of people that are having to go at someone else because of their sexuality or their gender. They go, oh, I'm sick of hearing all about that. That's what. But really. They're not really angry at that. They're just they've just found somewhere to vent because they're feeling the pressure of their yep. their lives are tough. And that's what happens. Everyone and that's what they play that's what they play on as well. They know the fact that they put pressure on us. We're just gonna fight each other. And then again that they while they just carry on doing what they're doing and we're shouting and hollering at each other about nothing. About it gives a shit what your sexuality is. It doesn't matter. It's not it's not relevant. Yep. As long yep. as you're happy and you're not hurting anyone, don't give a fucking shit. But they know that, and so we're all having a go at each other, and that's why groups like you know, like say, like people like like you were saying, that like suicide in the queer community is, is 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 on the rise because because they're getting pressure from people that are also under stress that don't really. If you really sat, if if everyone was fine, everything would be so much better. We'd have a bit. There'd be more time to be understanding of each other. You know. Yeah, a hundred percent. Like you said, it is the system. The system just fucks everything. Yeah, yeah, and exactly as you're saying, it's a it's a divide and conquer thing. Yeah, exactly. If you you know you create a straw man of like, oh no, but it's these people who are you know like they're the ones who are like taking away things you need, which is absolutely categorically Mm. untrue. And um, yeah, it's it's so much easier to scapegoat already marginalised people um, than to deal with the like deep systemic issues that are absolutely. Yeah. Um, and also I think that again, I'm, I'm just really careful to bang on and on and on about like, for example, suicides in the queer community, a, because I don't really want to think about it. Like it's, it's, it's like physically painful. And also this is not a problem that's limited to LGBTQ people at all. It's more pronounced because of lots of associated reasons. But like we were saying earlier, like suicide especially is a problem that disproportionately affects men and you know uh like that is independent of 
it's connected to it can be but sexuality might be one thing mm. that's associated with that yeah. and also these things are just so personal but um yeah the you know the scapegoating thing is fucking shocking yeah. at the moment i I met up with a friend um, last week who's a non-binary person who's, so they're in their mid fifties and they were saying like, I'm done with going to vigils. I don't want just queer survival. I want queer thriving. And also they were like, again, I don't have stats on this, so please don't quote me on this. But so they, as a person in their fifties, they were like, the average age expectation for a trans non-binary person is 50. I've already won like I've exceeded this and I just felt so depressed by that I was like and they were like like you know they were seeing it as like I'm you know (laughs) the fact that I'm here is a triumph but I'm kind of like that's not enough like I can't I cannot this is just no (laughs) and um yeah um so yeah don't want to go on and on about how queer communities are disproportionately vulnerable to suicide also like any community the LGBTQ community of Britain is as much of a broad church as any other like yeah. things. And, you know, like the needs of a white, employed, educated LGBTQ person living in Manchester or Bristol or London, like they're not going to be having the same problems as someone in Fife, like, for example. Yeah, so yeah, it's yeah. a but um, yeah, I think, uh, Rich, I just don't know. Again, like it's just too huge. It doesn't. It doesn't fit in my tiny little mammal brain (laughs) to be able to just reckon with um, how like, and it's an economic thing, but I honestly, that's kind of what made me implode at the end of last year because my friend died in June. There were all kinds of reasons associated with that that were 100% personal, but I was like, okay, this is now another person I know who did the maths and yeah. and again it's not the entirety of the reason and like i said i don't want to hijack someone's personal tragedy to be a hand-wringing leftist in public and make a political point but i would be lying through my teeth if i said it wasn't connected to Ooh. that and there's i just know too many people now who have been dying as a direct consequence of yeah. austerity the cost of living and it's not getting better so my little brain that's kind of like this is too huge for me. Stop looking at the news because I'm ruminating anyway. Um, a consequence of uh, bereavement by suicide is rumination a lot of the time. Mm. I wasn't prepared for it. My brain was just going around in circles. Like, why the fuck didn't I message in January? Or, you know, yeah. just why Why didn't I do all these things? Da, 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 da. And then you have to go like, but it's also not my job to do that. And But, you know, like there's, there's all of that shit going around. And then just sort of every day seeing things get worse and worse and worse for me people materially it was the warm banks that killed me i was like we're a fucking first world country how is warm banks a thing i what and um yeah um so you know uh the personal and the political was sort of fucking smashed together what did i do I got into a sparkly bikini and I spun around on a pole. How fucking insane is that? Why am I on a mental health podcast? <laughs> well, whatever it is, it doesn't matter what it is. As long as there's something that takes you out of it for a bit and helps you focus on, on more positive things, I think it doesn't matter what it is, you know? And that's, that's the thing as well. Like, we're talking... Yes, it's, it's... There's also a lot of positive things happening as well. Like, people are able to be more open about their sexuality and their and the gender conversation now that we're having mm. is exploding and that's really interesting I'm, I'm finding that fascinating and there are there are so many people that are on board with it and just so I was, I was away last week and I'm just mm. sat in this outside bar bit and an older couple came up and they were in there so they were they must have been in like 65 70 they came over and they were like oh you're you're English you know yeah so we had a chat and they just went, oh yeah, we're just out like our, um, our, our, uh, our sort of. And then they, they kind of, they just went into this conversation about how they now had a, they just had a grand them, and their their children, had, yeah, and their children, uh, they were, like, and they explained like they were like, no, my my daughter transitioned and she's non-binary and met a partner and they've transitioned the other way and did, but they were talking about it like it it was nothing. They, mm, they mm. didn't even they didn't even say to me they didn't even see to check if I was on board with it they didn't say that. it was literally exactly like the conversation have been for the last 
50,000 years. They just mm-hmm. had a chat. And I just sat there and I went, yeah, this is how it should be. It's not even, it's not even a special thing. They're just telling me about their lives. And that is happening more often than not. And I think that is happening as well. With old, and that was an older couple as well. So people are mm. getting on board. But we do tend to focus on the people that aren't getting on board, which is what we should be doing. We've got to, you know, we're trying to make changes. But we do need to remember that people are on board already. And they, like, honestly, it was like they said to me, do you want a cup of tea? The way they did it, and we just had this easy chat, and it was wonderful. And I just, yeah, yeah it was great. You know, again, it's so funny. It's like, oh, what's great is that this is such a non-event, you know, yeah. and that's the thing of, you know, change doesn't happen with one big policy. I mean, it, that does obviously mm. matter yeah, as well, yeah, yeah. but um, it's like 10,000 little conversations, right? That just become part of like the fabric of normal life. Mm. Um, yeah, that's really cool. Um I'm not going to speak on behalf of trans and non-binary people because it's not my experience. But um, yeah, I'd love to be hearing more of that instead of the absolute vicious attack on trans rights in this country. Um, It's um, yeah. um, Yeah. But I I can't I can't speak about that from my own experience. No, I think it's just but we, we do have to there has to be a conversation where just so that people know they do have allies and it isn't they are you know like that's how we show solidarity is by having these conversations yeah yeah i can't talk about their experiences of course i can't but at the same time i can have the conversation with people that shows that i'm an ally and yeah i had a chat with um so i know a pole dancer who Mm. i've just been editing her episode oh what a shameless way to plug my own podcast on a different podcast i do a podcast about pole dancing and i interviewed a trans pole dancer um and one question i asked is what can so people like you and me cisgender people who were born assigned male or female and that hasn't changed like throughout our lives um and she said it's making pronouns part of everyday conversation so for example a tiny little thing like in your email signature having your pronouns listed so shandoxy she her or rich wilson he him whatever the thing is what you've signaled there is hey i'm happy to do a bit of the heavy lifting heavy lifting like it's such a pathetic tiny little thing it's not like doing a huge amount but or for example in like microsoft teams meeting just making sure that everyone in their name at the bottom of the teams meeting i fuck this up all the time you know Mm. but things like that that mean that for example if a non-binary person is a new recruit in a workplace making it so that they don't have to be the person who has to initiate like hi i use these pronouns and then they have to do all the explaining but so that they just see like oh cool this is literally just a normal part of how this company functions it's just like again it's just slightly changed things so it's a more like there's just one less thing to worry about um i found that quite helpful and again um because i kind of started even getting into poll classes i guess through quite queer environments in london to me it's not unusual where at the beginning of the class everyone introduces their names and also their pronouns because it just signals to someone of like oh hi can i pick that up from him or them or her you've just been told and if you get it wrong it's okay you just you know apologize and change and ask it's fine but i think um there are things that everyone can do that will not be like the silver bullet that fixes all the problems yeah. overnight. But yeah, I think just kind of, you know, as cis people who carry disproportionate privilege, um, there are things that might seem like a mild, tiny inconvenience or extra thought to us that can actually kind of shift things a little bit, a mm. tiny bit, a crumb, a crumb. <laughs> That's it. Tiny acorns, man. Yeah. Tiny yeah. acorns. That's how we do it. Um, so when so when is your show coming out? Are you, is it when are you taking it to Edinburgh? Well, speaking of bad mental health, yeah, might be doing Edinburgh. Haven't decided yet. No, uh, I've I don't decided know why. not to this year. I'm not doing it. Yeah, that sounds great. I am. Um, uh, I didn't do it last year because I couldn't. I am. Um, mm. You know, uh, other story. But I got stranded in Belgium for most of COVID. Oh so, yeah, I saw that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I had to. Last year, I was just. You know, I have. I have a corporate job like i was just like working to kind of heal a lot of the damage i was lucky that i still got to do kind of other projects including the first draft of this show um but to be honest rich like it's kind of i'm doing this show 
and bear with me because this is my kind of pretentious artist mission statement. <laughs> you know, um, you know the singer Self Esteem. I do, yeah. So she has said that I'll probably completely like butcher it, but Self Esteem, which she called herself as like when she went solo as an art project, that was an internal facing thing as well as an external thing because she was like, I had no self esteem in my twenties, right. so. That's what she was doing. She was like, the music is about building this yeah. self-esteem. Um, my show is called Pull Yourself Together. And it's kind of the same idea of, I want to make a show. Like, that's the aim. I want it to be funny. I want it to be good. Something that um, is interesting and I have to kind of use, but also let go. I approach pole dancing as a stand-up. Like, when I watch a routine... In the same way that, you know, when you're listening to a recording and you're like, okay, cool, that got a laugh, keep it, that yeah, didn't get yeah, a laugh, yeah. sack it off. Da, da, da. I kind of do that a bit with pole routines. It's, it is slightly different, but I've brought that into pole, which is a fun thing to do. But um, pole yourself together, it's it's sort of the name of the show, but it's kind of, it might just be for me. <laughs> I don't really know. And um, yeah, pretentiously, I'm kind of thinking, I want to do with pole comedy what self-esteem did with music, which is I'm literally just trying to to get my shit yeah. <laughs> lined up. And um and like I said, you know, like the pole stuff, it might be something I'm doing for 18 months and then drop it and never do it again. It might be something I do for longer. I don't know. At the moment, it's part of what is, uh, yeah, kind of, it's part of what's, God, I hate using this word, but kind of, healing <laughs> it's um <laughs> it's doing some very deep work on me um and that's fun um yeah um and i kind of you know i really i wanted to write that article because um i love pole dancing like it's just fun but i really wanted people to know that it can be something that's a bit deeper as well my friend evie who did a brilliant episode with you on yeah, this podcast great. Yeah. yeah yeah so evie doesn't really do pole dance performances. She goes to the studio by herself and like her style is really slinky, very sexy, very flowy, but it's not for an audience. Like the only audience it's for is her and that's yeah, really right. cool. Yeah. Um, and you know, she, like she described on your show, um, she is managing parameters of um, chronic illness, yeah. uh, an invisible disability, lots of stuff. Um, and pole, again, not a substitute for other things, but part of, you know, kind of part of your toolkit. Um, pole is part of that for her. And I mean, I want to put jokes in it as well, just because I'm a little validation seeking monkey and I yeah. have to, but the pole project is something else. Um, and also, I mean, I've been doing alternative comedy to like five people in a cupboard for nearly 10 years now. The idea that it's just for me is not difficult to imagine because it's been that way for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> well, you just got to keep doing what you're doing because I think it's brilliant. Thanks. Yeah. I think yeah, what you do is brilliant. Thank you. That's why I wanted you on. Have a chat. We, haven't done, we should have done this ages ago, but here we are. That's a pleasure. Um, and where can we find your podcast? Um, I am on rss.com slash poll the other one, but the best place to find everything, so all my stuff, is on my website, shandoxy.com. Um, that has everything listed, really clearly available, and the best thing to do, because it's my favourite way of reaching people, is subscribe to my newsletter. It's the big pink button on my website, and there I will give all the podcast updates. I'm having a launch party in London on March the 12th as well. Okay. If anyone wants to come see some comedy see some pole dancing um it's gonna be super cheap as well it's just gonna be really fun and yeah all the details of that will be on my website in my newsletter on all my social media lovely insane in the membrane hold up what was that boring no flavor that was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, 
Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. Made by DarkHorseDigital.co.uk Shooting, live streaming and podcast production.